podcasting will will be a thrill. Grandpa and chill, grandson and friends. Grandpa and chill in full effect. We talk about it all, yeah, put it all on the set with that pet craze too. We chillin' with Rosie, comfortable, stay tuned, yeah, listen closely. Cause this the millennials in the silent generation coming together, discussion in rotation. This is Grandpa and Chill. But uh, I, I don't need to do intros. Um, Carlin, could you uh, go into the story that you're about to say about your wife? Yeah. Um, in 1997, my wife was 50. She had turned 50 just three weeks prior, and she was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's disease. Uh, I was 52. Uh, our three children, one was in high school and two were in college. Uh, if I had heard of Alzheimer's at that stage in my life, I just do not remember it. Uh, it was, um, uh, I certainly learned a lot about it since then, but it just caught, caught us by surprise. Uh, and when we got the news, uh, our life didn't get turned upside down. It imploded before us. Uh, I had a, uh, a business magazine, a regional business magazine here in the Tampa Bay, Florida market. Uh, and Martha had been in politics, had been on the St. Petersburg City Council here in Florida in the mid-80s, and uh, the year before that she was diagnosed with this, she was uh, running for an open seat in the Florida State Legislature, so she was very involved, very energetic, very um, outgoing personality, more so than I, and um so it, it was just it was just devastating, devastating to me, devastating to Martha. When we got home after getting the word from um, the doctor, well, let me tell you a little bit about the the way the doctor talked to us. We'd gone in uh, for testing uh, three weeks prior to getting the results, and we liked that doctor, and he uh, he was very empathetic, and and we thought we were going to see him again. But when we, we went back, uh, he had been called out on an emergency and he, a partner of his was there. And, and he, uh, he could have been Mr. Spock on Star Trek. He was cold. He was cerebral. He was uh, very distant and uh, cer- certainly didn't help us feel any better when we got the news. And he started getting into technicalities, and I said, "Just get us out of here. We 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 don't need to know about that." We, we, so we, we got home. We had a, a good long cry, and then the first thing Martha told me was this: "I do not want to tell a soul. I don't want to tell my parents. I don't want to tell our children, and I do not want to tell our friends." Uh, I mean, there's a stigma, uh, as you as you know, attached to mental disabilities of almost any kind, and there certainly was uh, in our mind with uh, this thing called Alzheimer's or dementia. Uh, just as a side, uh, Alzheimer's uh, dementia is a broad category of which Alzheimer's is part of. It happens to be the largest part of the de- category of dementia. Uh, and so, as as we talked. Uh, Martha had um, said she did not want to talk to anybody, but there was one person she was willing to talk with, 
And that was a a retired uh, minister who had married us back in the day. And uh, Martha had been good friends with before we got married. And so she was said, "Yeah, we 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 can we can tell Lacey." And so I called Lacey, and he came over the next day, and um, he was Lacey was stunned when we told him, and uh, he um, uh, he just started crying. He, 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 we were Martha and I were sitting in the couch, and he was in a chair opposite us, and he just waved at me and asked to swap seats, and so he put his arms around. Um, Martha and, uh, and they had a good cry. And so, uh, after got through, Lacey said, told us this, he said, you know, I have a good friend in Kentucky who is with the sisters of Loretta, uh, sister Elaine, and she is the retreat director there. And I have sent a lot of friends in crisis up to see her and to talk with her. Uh, and they all seem to come back with uh, something meaningful out of their time. I don't know what you would get if you do go, but I suspect it would be very meaningful. And Martha, so Martha and I did go up and meet with this sister Elaine. And that's sort of the start of the story, Brandon. We can go in a lot of different directions here that you you would like to. Um, but uh, that's that's where we started, and uh, this went on then for seventeen years. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm sure Grandpa has a lot to say about this. But um, my personal experience with Alzheimer's is um, my great grandmother, Grandpa's mother. Um, lived a really long time. So, uh, passed away maybe when I was 12 or 14, something like that. And, uh, my entire knowing her pretty much, she suffered from Alzheimer's. So, okay. Yeah. And, um, the, how did you, how did you as a child react to this? Um, man, I mean, as a, I don't know. How did I react grandpa? I think I think that can you hear me okay? Yeah. I, I think that you I, I remember you meeting with my mother in in a in her I'm having trouble hearing here. Just uh speak up, Grandpa. Uh, I, I re I recall you meeting with my mother in her bedroom and you were having a nice conversation with her. And uh I I uh I think that you got along with her quite well. Uh I don't remember any of the real details because it's, you know, it's been like 12 years ago. Yeah. As maybe longer than that. I think, I think, uh, like as a younger kid, uh, there was maybe a a funny aspect to it. Right. Cause sort of having the same conversations over and over again, um, not understanding sort of the weight of what's going on. Um, but she, she was very sweet and very nice. Um, and I remember before her husband had passed, they made me like a like a Pikachu cake because um, I love Pokemon. Uh, so they're very sweet, you know. And they, they yeah. she was like, uh, "Max, get the Pikachu cake," you know. Like I, I have fond memories. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, for for a good while, Martha was able to drive, and she was able to talk still, and uh, able to see folks. Uh, 
but it there was a, there was a decline. I mean, the, the the worst thing that happened to Martha when we got the news uh, was that this highly confident woman just lost her confidence completely. It just went through the floor, and um, uh, so I guess about two years after that, uh, our our sister in law named KK approached Martha about. Um, uh, about getting into a watercolor painting class. And um, Martha had never done anything like that. She liked tennis. She liked being out on the water. She liked talking smack with friends and the like. Um, but, she, but she got into this watercolor painting and it just it produced some incredible paintings. Very bright, very colorful, very contrasting and to the point that uh, her teacher at one point told me, he said, Carlin, I do not know where this is coming from. Uh, you cannot teach this uh, kind of coloration that, that Martha is doing. And so uh, there was just a number of um, paintings. I, I probably did, I'm guessing, two to three dozen paintings over the course. It, this interest lasted for about for about two years, and then she began to fade on away from that and out of that. But I, I found out later that Martha's experience with painting is, a, is not unlike a lot of others who have this disease with either music or art or dancing or the like. That the, the, These things just really re-engage the person who's going through this. And so uh, I, would, I would tell any of your friends who are, who are listening, who uh, who are having to deal with this, or or may have to deal with something like this, is to see to, to find that kind of uh, activity where it's not necessarily a verbal activity, uh, but um, where they can express themselves in some fashion, uh, or if they if they played the piano twenty years ago, see if they would sit down and play the piano again, and that kind of thing. Uh, that that would be very important. Um, the um, uh, in in terms of what I was doing, I, I started reading about everything I could get my hands on, and there was not a lot of material on Alzheimer's in 1997. I I, I uh, considered 97 and earlier to be the dark ages as far as research and understanding this disease. And I mean, even, even though it had been uh, designated and discovered um, back in a hundred years before, back in the early 1900s, um, it still had not had a lot of uh, uh, research done for it. <coughs> uh, there were a couple of caregiver guidebooks out there that I, um, read but read a lot of other things i was i was really intent on trying to um trying to find a way out of this for us and um and was hoping that we could find a way out of it um so uh, going back to <coughs> excuse me going back to our time that i spent with this sister elaine in Kentucky, she was just, she was a very, um, 
she was intense, but intense in a very empathetic kind of way. And one of the things that she told me, told us, um, was you might want to check out the difference between being willful and being willing. Willfulness versus willingness. And I had no clue as to what she was talking about. Uh, I I was uh, a a publisher entrepreneur. Martha was into politics. And if there are any enterprises that are willful and stubborn and push it through kind of thing, uh, those are. And and so it it took me a long time to understand what she was talking about, just being open and to being willing to go down this path or to go down that path and the like. The other thing, Brandon, that she mentioned uh, was, and and just she mentioned in passing, was that uh, you might want to check out the practice of meditation. And I'd never never practiced that. Uh, We were in a church, and um, uh, but the church didn't, that that was not a practice in our church. Um, So, uh, but she didn't give me any references as to who to consider or to talk to on this. Um, uh, so when we got back, uh, we, we called our friend Lacey and he wanted to know how the meeting, how our week's visit went and, uh, brought him up to date with that. And I asked him, I said, I didn't expect him to have any answer for me. He just said, I asked him, I said, Lacey, do you know anything about meditation? And, um, and he said, well, uh, I know a little bit. It says, uh, now I would recommend you check out a Benedictine monk by the name of Father John Maine. Uh, and he has uh, a couple of books out, one called Word into Silence. Um, and it would be worth your time, I think, to find out what his approach is. He's, he's about the simplest and the most authoritative. So we, just, I, uh, we talked about that and we decided to do that. And so we began to meditate like 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening. I can't remember how long it took, uh, Brandon, but um, uh, after a while, I began to feel and sense Martha's anxiety go from up here to way down here. She was just beginning to feel some peace about not, not our situation, but within herself. Uh, and I began to feel the same thing myself. And, and she was, that was um, she was coherent enough at that point to be able to sort of maintain a meditation practice and, and understand what well, was going on. What, what we did was, um, uh, well, at that point, yes. But what we did, we would sit side by side and hold hands. And I would uh, quietly repeat the word that we had decided to use. So that I knew that she was hearing it just over and over again. And um, that was important, not only at that time, Brandon, but in in 2008, Martha needed to move into a memory care unit um, here in St. Petersburg. And so that would be about a decade after she had been diagnosed. And at that point, Martha was not able to talk. She was not able to walk. 
she wasn't able to take care of herself or feed herself. Uh, so she was pretty well dependent on um, somebody doing all that. I would go in and visit Martha oh, five or six days a week. And when I would go in, I would often find Martha curled up in a fetal position, just and anxiety seemed to be exuding from her. And um, I, um, I would sit down beside her at that time slip my hand into hers and then just quietly repeat our word that we had selected. And um, it wasn't long before Martha's body began to unfold and she began to uh, either she fell asleep or she was looking out the window or she um, uh, was looking at me and I just felt a, 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 Peace, a presence developed sort of in the in her room there that uh, I just haven't felt before or or since, and then, so that was just very important in terms of helping me and helping her. I think, and I, I think our children helping them to get through uh, this whole thing. Um, so yeah, it, that, that was that that was an important aspect of what we were doing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, no. Son, cool. That this is um Um you you answered so many questions that I had when I was writing as we were talking. Um you did it with such a, a great gentleness uh that you have. Can you hear me? Am I not speaking loud enough? Okay, cool. Um one just just uh again this was just the growth, bro. Like just that that I can just tell that you're speaking from when you go from like the when you brought up willfulness and and and, and and willingness and just um, just how tough it is to, to be dealing with something that's really outside of your outside of something that you you really have no control over and, and trying your best to like uh, surrender to it to a certain extent. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's just like um, very, very, uh, very tough thing and, and very uh, highly, highly respect. How long were you guys married for? How long were we married? Uh, what was when she was diagnosed? Um, we were married for twenty five years at that point. Uh, she died in two thousand and fourteen, and so that was uh, forty two years that we were married when she died. Uh, she died. She died. Uh, she went into the memory care unit in two thousand eight. So she lived another six years, sort of in a vegetative kind of state. Um, and, and those last six years, um, and it just, it was really hard to go in and just see my wife who'd been so exuberant, just uh, be in, in, in this state uh, of mind. The, um, one of the things that, um, uh, was difficult for me I, during, uh, when Martha was living at home, uh, at some point, probably three years after the diagnosis to four years or so, I had to find a caregiver to come into the house during the day. And um, so I, uh, I got in touch with uh, two or three women and uh, they came in and Martha would just have nothing to do with them. And uh, she just, she didn't want to have a, 
quote, she saw them as being a caregiver. And uh, again, our sister-in-law stepped forward, this KK, and KK just had very sensitive antenna to people's needs. And um, so the, the the person that I finally, uh, 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 a third person I got a hold of by the name of Tricia, uh, uh, KK said, well, let's do this. Let Tricia and me go in and talk to, and, and I'll call Martha and tell her I've got a, I want to come over and have lunch with, bring over my friend, Tricia. And, um, and then, so they came over for two to three hours and uh, did lunch and played and had fun. And then they did that about a week later. Well, after the second visit, after the second visit, uh, Tricia was now Martha's Mm -hmm. friend. And so, we could bring Trisha in to care for Martha as her friend. And, and that we got over that, got over that obstacle. That was a real obstacle uh, uh, in terms of trying to get a caregiver. Cause I was, I was still working full time um, and uh, with the magazine and just needed to have somebody do that. Um, there were probably four or five incidents during these 17 years that were, um, I would say, among the hardest that uh, we went through. Um, just to let you know, the one getting the news on this, the the diagnosis that was that was really tough. Another one was um, um, about. Three years after the diagnosis, I had to take Martha's car keys away from her. Uh, we, um, I was riding with her. She was driving. She ran through a stoplight. Uh, and when we got home, I said, Martha, didn't you see that stoplight? And she said, what stoplight? And, um, and so I, 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 had to take the car keys away. I had to let Martha know I was taking the car keys. She stamped up. She just ran upstairs. I felt like I had betrayed Martha. And uh, we got through that, but that that was a tough yeah. nut. Uh, no, yeah. I'm, sorry? I, I'm just adding this up. Also, dang, I mean, now it's just... Um, yeah, that's what this is. It's just like, like not. It's just. Um, I understand. I've, I've, I've really hold hard on my like independence. I like to be very independent. I, I would be, you know, I don't like to be. I don't like anybody doing holding my hand at all. You know, I get threatened by anybody thinking about trying to help me uh, with my little shortcomings. So, like I said, I can only imagine. Sounds very tough. Well, you got a lot to learn yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, with, with uh, Carlin, with um, regard to taking the car keys, I had a similar situation with my mother. My mother uh, drove herself up to a McDonald's apparently and left her car there and hitchhiked home. And oh. they didn't find her car for about two or three weeks. The police called, and. Um, I felt so badly about taking the keys from her, but my sister said, you need to do that. And she was right. And my mother really never carried on. But I think I had not as traumatic an experience as you've had with your with your wife. My mother had uh, dementia 
uh, I don't know just what classification, but she did not deteriorate to the point of what you're describing with your wife. So it was a different situation. My mother just, her memory was not too good, and she would ask the same question over and over and over again. What would you do last night? Or whatever. But she seemed to to still have an understanding of her situation. In fact, she asked me to come to town. I was living in a different city to help with her situation. She was writing notes on checks that were sent to her or whatever. She didn't really know what she was doing. And I was fortunate that I, uh, I had an agency that sent out caregivers. I had around the clock caregivers. And uh, one of the ladies was terrific. Uh, She, we're still friendly with her. We go to dinner with her once in a while. Uh, but she made things a lot easier for, for us. Caregiver does. I mean, um, uh, the greatest gift that I got through these 17 years, when our two oldest children, David and Rachel, uh, graduated from college and came back into this area, uh, Tampa and St. Pete, <clears throat> they came to me one day and said, uh, Daddy, we want to give you a weekend a month off. I, I was caring. We had Trisha caring for Martha during the day. I would be caring for Martha at night and caring for her on the weekends. But they said, that we, we want to give you a weekend a month off. And that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Because I could just, I could have, have confidence that Martha was going to be taken care of. Um I usually spent those weekends at a nearby monastery where I, I could go up and yell at the orange trees and um, go walking and, um, and and just venting and praying and doing whatever else uh, I felt like I, uh, I needed to do. And I, I would leave on a Friday afternoon and come back uh, a little afternoon on Sundays. And um, our kids really had to grow up pretty fast. Uh, in that situation, um, in our situation, uh, they because the roles were being reversed. Uh, they were no longer the children. They were being the, sort of in a parental mode uh, with Martha being in sort of a childlike mode. Um, so, yeah, it um, as, you, as you know, uh, Grandpa, the um, every every situation is different. I mean, there's, there's no two situations alike. I've written, I've written a book called a path revealed a hope, love, and joy found us deep in a maze called Alzheimer's. But I don't expect people to, uh, to have the exact same story as we do, but uh, I, I'm finding as I'm hearing from readers and from our, my blog, uh, on my website, that um, that they, they're just connections being made. There's they've got their own story, but they're identifying with some of the things that we're going through and how we had to deal with it and how we had to uh, address it. And um, so it's it's really really important to share stories with each other. I um, after Martha's diagnosis in '97. I, I asked the doctor about a um, support group. I couldn't find a support group. And he said, well, I know of one support group, but I, I wouldn't recommend that you get into it because the uh, caregivers there, their spouses 
uh, or their loved ones are all pretty well advanced and at an advanced stage with Alzheimer's. And I think it would depress you more than it would help you. Um, so I, I didn't get into that. And I just I couldn't find anybody else sort of in a comparable stage as ours. So I, w- I was having to be a lone wolf a lot just in terms of my readings and uh, talk, talking to one mentor after another. And, and mentors began to sort of show up over over time uh, as uh, it's not something, not something I really went looking for. But that was very helpful during the course of these 17 years, then starting with Lacey and then starting with Sister Lane and then going on to some others that um, – occurred during these years yes and and lacy is the, the pastor yeah or am i mixing the names lacy was okay a retired so how pastor. long how long did martha and you guys know no well he uh at the, uh, he married us so i'd known him for 25 years martha had known him for two or three years before that she was in st pete she grew up here in st petersburg uh i grew up in tennessee you may be able to tell with my accent. Um, the, um, um, but she had known Lacey two or three years before we got married. Then he baptized a couple of our kids as well. So we were very close with him. And he was just a very impressive kind of guy. Just a, um, just had a lot, a lot of character about him that uh, really, really drew me to him. And I think really drew Martha to him. Um, um. No, because, well, it's good because, let me see, I wrote down some earlier about, oh, yeah, just just uh, the shame of mental illness and of having some type of uh, anything going on. You know, um, one of the it, the bad things about shames is, like, it isolates you, but you need, like, connection to make you not shame, shame about it. You know, you got you to, gotta, like, have to let people know so they can be like, hey, it's not that deep. Um but it's so hard because, you know, shame also makes you feel like you're the only person dealing with this problem. So, um, well, it, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Martha, Martha lost, uh, a, a handful of friends after she was diagnosed. They just did not because they wanted to be with her. They just didn't understand. They didn't understand what to do or how to do it. And I didn't understand really how to encourage them to do it. Um, uh, this, this was way past the time it would have been of help to me, but one thing that I, I found that uh, I was reading about someone else doing this, I mean, um, we would be out in public and Martha could say something embarrassing or do something embarrassing, and it was just sort of, what do you do? And just very awkward. And um, um, uh, what I what I read about, and I said, "Boy, I wish I'd found this uh, a lot sooner." Uh, this person had printed up a business card size card, and it said, uh, "My wife, uh, thank you for uh, thank you for your kindness, my wife." has Alzheimer's and I appreciate your uh, recognizing that and just not making a big issue of it or something on those terms. And he would just, 
if if he got into a, if he got into a an embarrassing situation, he would just hand them that card behind his wife's back, and and that would just sort of resolve the embarrassment uh, of the of the moment. Uh, that would have been because you you didn't want to try. I didn't want to try to tell people in front of Martha. Well, Martha has Alzheimer's, and this is the way. This is why she's acting the way she is, and not being normal or anything. So that that was that was a great idea that uh, I discovered, but it was too late for uh, too late for our situation for me to take advantage of that. Um, Carlin, uh, if it's okay with me asking, how did she finally pass? Was it? No, it's, it's fine. Uh, Martha was in, in this uh, memory care unit. Uh, this would have been, this was on June 30th, 2014. Uh, I was out of town. All of our children were out of town. Uh, at a at a, up in Montreal, up in uh, North Carolina, outside of Asheville, at a place that uh, Martha had grown up going to, and so we were up there as a family, and um, got a call from the nurse at the uh, nursing home that uh, my wife's uh, that Martha's um, uh, temperature was uh, dropping, and that uh, just things were slowing down, and um, and so we asked a good friend of ours, of Martha's, Jenny, to go out and be with Martha, and she did. And so she was with Martha as Martha just passed. It was very quiet and very um, fairly quickly. Uh, I got on the plane and got back home um, uh, the next day. Um, but uh, we wouldn't have gone up to North Carolina if we expected this and thought this would be happening. Uh, but um, I'm glad that we were able to call on Martha's friend to, to be there with her as she, as she uh, went on. And, um, and I remember um, Brandon, um, they, Martha was ultimately cremated. And but before that, I went into uh, the place where the, the, the crema, crematory, where they were going to do that. And, and I was just sitting there with Martha um, and just holding her hand. And uh, just a, a very vivid seeing the, this huge furnace right in front of us, knowing that Martha was going to be going through that. Uh, uh, that, that was tough just, um, um, but, um, I think I said a quiet meditation for, for us both there at that time and then kissed Martha on the forehead and, um, and, um, told her goodbye. I was, uh, with my mother, uh, the day. Uh, she died the evening of the day that I had spent time with her and I had no idea that she was going to pass away. And, uh, before I left, uh, she, which was not characteristic of her, she grabbed a hold of my hand and just squeezed it. Um, 
And that night she passed away, her caregivers were with her. I was living about 160 miles away and I came right back, but I had no idea that yeah. she was going to pass away that day. But, but she had stopped eating normally uh, for several months before that. Yeah. It's just, you, you always regret not being at the side. I always regret not being at her side, but, um, uh, it is what it is. And I just had to deal with it. And, um, um, so yeah. It's, well, it just seemed to me from my mother's action that she kind of knew that she was going to leave this reality. Yeah. You, you could tell that. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've read that about uh, a lot of, a lot of situations like that, Barton, and it just, um, uh, the passing is not easy. It just, you had mentioned that your wife showed a talent for painting uh, up until things she got into a worse uh, condition. And uh, it's interesting. I've you hear about that a lot. I'm sure you may have heard about Tony Bennett. He has Alzheimer now, and but he he can remember the music that he sings, but he can't remember you know normal uh, events that are occurring in his life. Yeah. One 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 of the things that is is very dis disturbing is um, when a person gets in this state, people think that the person, Martha's person, personhood, if you want to call it that, has, was gone when they couldn't talk or couldn't walk, couldn't take care of themselves, that they no longer were a person. And... Um, and that that was one of the things that uh, just it's just really needs to be understood that there is I, I can sense at times that Martha was still very much with us. She just wasn't able to be with us in the same ways that she had been with us most of her life, and um, so that's it, it's important not to discount. A, a person just because they're not able to do a lot of the normal things uh, that that you and I do, and that they and and that she had done much of her life. Okay. Well, it sounds from from your description of the situation that you your wife had deteriorated to a much more serious situation than my mother had ever deteriorated. Yeah. Possibly my mother might have gotten that way had she lived longer, but she did live to be 91. But she, in many ways, still had control of her of her senses. Her uh, faculties? Yeah, she really did. Um, but how, how long did she go? How long did she go through this period, Barton? I think about Oh, I'm going to say eight to ten years. Okay, I'm going to say about eight to ten years. And and it, with yeah. her, it was just mostly um, uh, not remembering things. She just would right. ask me, "What'd you do last night?" And I'd say, "What I did." And a minute later, she'd ask me the same question, and I'd have that question twenty or thirty times, yeah. you know, and uh, try to answer it a different way to make it more interesting. But I don't think she, it mattered to her, you know. 
Yeah. Well, I, I remember our daughter, Rachel, coming to me one time. This was fairly early on, and she was just very frustrated that she was not able to get Martha to do what she thought Martha needed to do. And I, and I, by that time, I, I, I discovered and I, I shared with Rachel, I said, Rachel, I, what you've got to do is you've now got to step. Martha is no longer in our world as we know it. You have got to step into her world and put yourself into her situation. And a lot of things that she's saying do not make sense. You do not try. There's no need to try to correct her. No need to try to say, well, you're wrong. This is what's right, mommy. Um, and, but it, it took me a while to, to figure that out. It just, to just to, to stop trying to, um, correct Martha. And, um, and that that was a real relief once I realized just Martha did not have to be right. And you're looking at the guy right now that is uh, tried to be a perfectionist most of his life and sort of a trait of self-righteousness in there. And so that, that was hard for me to go through that kind of change. And, and that's where I identify with what uh, Sister Lane told me early on, just you need to learn to be willing, Carling, and 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 don't be so willful about trying to impose your thoughts and your ideas on the situation with Martha, because it, it's going all you're going to do is frustrate her and frustrate mm-hmm. yourself. And uh, uh, th- that's that was an important lesson for us to learn. Um, I guess I'm kind of do do you ever uh, i know they're making a lot of advancements now on maybe i'm still having a little i'm sorry i I think they're making a lot of advancements on trying to um to uh, prevent alzheimer or dementia with certain drugs they're coming out with but um i don't know if 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 it's a hereditary thing or whatever you know uh alzheimer the well, there there is a gene, uh, but uh, Martha, Martha, they they tested Martha for this genetic for this gene, and she did not have it. So they really, as as much advances as as they've had, um, they still have not are not coming up with a cure. I think maybe the latest med that's come out is maybe delaying the onset of some of the symptoms, but is not curing the situation. And, um, um, so, uh, I just, I, I remember, uh, early on in our, um, uh, odyssey with this thing, um, uh, reading in the newspaper about some breakthrough, and then I'd read down to the bottom of the story in the newspaper, and it was still the testing was still at the mouse stage, and was not it was not, and, and it, it 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 went nowhere. I mean, they went through years of just research and testing that um, it was just not um, not coming up with anything, and still, as far as I'm concerned, still have not come up with a solution or with an answer 
uh, for this. Yeah. You about to say something, Grandpa? No, it was just a nervous reaction. I put the mic next to my mouth. I'm sorry. Uh, Well, now I was going to say something about the the repeating of the words that you guys were doing, like a mantra and the meditation. And yeah, um, I not only vibe with that. I like it because it's so important, yet very simple and very something that everyone can do. And it's so important. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like a, it seems like a, like a, a gold nugget that you know you're like right there the whole time like hey breathe for a second um and it's just pretty cool to, to have that in the, the, the yeah well this father john main um uh, he as i said he was a benedictine monk um and his mission was to to get meditation outside the monastic walls to uh, to have a system that um for folks who had careers and were busy and had families that they could incorporate and work that into their lifestyle rather than just having to say, well, I'm going to become a monk or I'm going to become a nun. And, 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 and that's the only way I know how to do that kind of thing. So that's, that's what attracted me to it with my, uh, if you know anything about publishing, they're just deadline after deadline after deadline. And, and, um, uh, so this was just very helpful to me as, as we were getting hold of uh, this whole situation. Um, I had something else on my mind, but uh, it's, it's escaped me. It'll come back to me in, in no, just a no minute. biggie. Uh, I can talk for days. It don't matter. Um, what, what else? I, I think that um, I I was uh, I worked as a um, uh, a care provider or health care health aid i've done it for about eight years nine years wow um so i've been kind of i'm pretty familiar with with uh, people in in dealing with some illness of some sorts or dealing with you know just coping with life in general the ups and downs of it um and it, it's it's a um, i really really learned a lot about the people dealing with it like people like um like there almost needs to be a group for people that have to have to live with someone with Alzheimer's or or have to take care of someone so personally because it is it really it really hits your core of like uh, I'm sure it makes you feel insane sometimes and you feel guilty about being being like upset and angry about someone you love and you know like I uh, I can yeah I just remember being in, in people's rooms and just seeing like the 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 expression of someone's face of going like ah. You know, you're you're upset. You're upset me yeah. so much. I wish I could say something, but the people here would judge me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I just it it uh, I just um, I did. I mean, I I had to I had to learn to forgive myself. Mm-hmm. I had to learn to forgive Martha for getting this thing. Uh, I also had gone through, and by forgiving, I th- I'm talking about just being released, uh, getting released from some of these deep emotional issues that were just um, not helpful at all, very negative. Um, just uh, had to had to go through a forgiveness process with Martha's parents, 
in in terms of the way they sort of brought her up. Um, uh, nothing abusive as far as physical, but there was some verbal mm-hmm. abuse uh, growing up, and um, and thinking. Uh, so there are just a lot of a lot of uh, just a whole um, range of issues that you that I never knew I was having to deal you mind with. I'll pause you for one second uh, too, because I want to go into this this forgiveness thing. Because you say it so, I mean, I know it's. It, it, it's, it's it's hard, right? Like, and do you talk to the people? Do, were you able to talk to Martha's parents? How, does the forgiveness? Would you go into for for us young folks? I guess I would like to learn more about forgiveness because you seem to talk about it like it, it, it seems very easy, but it doesn't seem very. Or how do you get there? How do you get to your point where you're at at, at, at terms? At, uh, I, I, unfortunately, when I began to realize this. Martha's parents had already passed. And so I was just having to go through this kind of forgiveness within my own heart and space. Um, I, I mean, I, I've come out of Christian tradition, which I'm, it's not knocking anybody else's tradition, but that was, that's one of the basic messages that I l- had to learn how to do coming out of that. And just some of the mentors that I had were very helpful to me in terms of, how to go through this kind of process internally rather than just holding it all inside. Um, um, uh, just uh, going up, uh, going up to the uh, monasteries on the weekend, on the once a, one weekend a month, as I mentioned to you, it was uh, very helpful because uh, just to be able to go up there and vent and just uh, yell at the orange trees. I mean, they didn't talk back to me, so that was good. And um, uh, so, yeah, it, um, it, it's, there's not a formula for this at all. Uh, it's just, but it's important to to get there and to get through that, to get through that kind of process. And I had to go through the same kind of thing with uh, with my father, particularly. Uh, that uh, it, it, it just. Um, um, I just had, I just realized, began to realize I had issues with him growing up that I had not recognized or had not um, paid attention to. And uh, again, but he had already passed at that point. So I guess what I'm saying is I've, I learned that I could still forgive even though they were not on, on this earth. <laughs> so that was important for me to understand that. Forgiveness is for yourself and it's going to take time. It does. One of the things that um, uh, I learned, uh, p- people talk to me about our journey mm-hmm. and, uh, and I, I don't, I don't talk about what we went through as our journey. Um, the word journey, I, I'm a wordsmith. I, I've, I've been in the editing and publishing and writing and stuff and, um, the word journey just seems too tame and too planned to me. I identify what we went through as being an odyssey. Um, and, and the classical sense of the odyssey, you wake up one day in a foreign land, you're lost, you're confused, you're hurt, and you really want to, uh, uh, you, you, you want to get back home. And uh, you'll do anything to get home. And I just, I've discovered that uh, 
when you do get home, that is, if you do get home, you're just not the same person as you were when you left. And the home is not the same place. And um, that was important for me to understand that as um, we, we got through this. Um, I, I, just uh, as an aside, just to, uh, your, your audience may not understand the magnitude of Alzheimer's. Uh, just, let me just lay this out to you, Sam. The, the latest figures that I've seen are that in this country, uh, there's something like uh, five to six million people who uh, are uh, diagnosed with Alzheimer's uh, at one stage or another. Uh, and there are probably a lot more, but they just don't go to the doctor to, to get that kind of diagnosis. Uh, and then when you couple family caregivers like Barton or myself, uh, there, there are 20 to 25 million people who are having to live through the issue of Alzheimer's. Now you say, well, okay, that's 20 to 25 million. That would be, if Alzheimer's were a state, that would be the fourth largest state in this country behind California, Texas, and New York. Well, <clears throat> the fifth largest behind Florida as well. That's a lot of people being impacted by this disease. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know what's happening to me here, but going to talk about I, I remember reading something, Carlin, that was like, I think it was 50% of Americans at the age of 85, I think it was, had a, some sort of dementia diagnosis. Uh, that's correct. When they yeah. hit, hit the age, age of 85, and, and uh, what they call early onset Alzheimer's is when you're diagnosed before age 65. And then uh, I forget what the ratios are when, at age 75 and then on up to 85 and, and the like. Um, but it, it's it's just a, a real impact, not just with the one getting the disease, but on the folks who are just having to live through the volatility and the uh, extreme changes um, and how someone, uh, I, I was able, I was fortunate to be able to get a uh, caregiver for Martha at home. How someone who's not so fortunate and is having to deal with this on a 24 seven basis. I don't know how they do it. Um, uh, and unfortunately I ha I don't know what the exact statistics are, Brandon, but um, oftentimes the one giving the care uh, will die before their loved one with the, with the, the disease. And that that is just that's rough all the way around, and 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 I, I attribute that to the stress that's generated with uh, just having to go through this. The stress is just um, immeasurable, and that's one of the things that the that the um, uh, meditation really helped me with. It was just de-stressing, and it's just really important to to de-stress and. and with this kind of crisis or really any kind of crisis that we're going through. Um, I mean, the, the book that I wrote, 
uh, is not a caregiver's guidebook. It's called A Path Revealed. It's on Amazon or primarily Amazon. You can find it there. Um, the, the book that I wrote is, is not a caregiver's guidebook. It, Alzheimer's is not the focus. Alzheimer's is the context. The focus is the odyssey or the journey that we went through, a, sort, a, a spiritual odyssey that we went through uh, in terms of just how learning how to deal with a crisis like this. Um, it was, and I've, I've had enough feedback from friends and folks that, uh, that, uh, that it's not their story, but they are able, they identify with this, um, with our story enough that, uh, it, it, it really helps them in some way. And I don't know totally how it helps them, but it seems to, it seems to really help them. I do, I do have a, a blog, Brandon, um, uh, on um, uh, my website, um, it's www.carlinmaddox.com, C-A-R-L-E-N-M-A-D-D-U-X.com. And there's a, I have a blog that I uh, uh, put posts up on, and I interview other people like you're interviewing me. I interview folks who are having to deal with this. Have, what do they what do they go through and and their stories are are pretty profound and and the like if someone is interested in in checking that out um, yeah and everything will be um linked in the show notes Carlin as far as uh links and where they can buy the book and all that kind of stuff okay so, all right yeah. cool. um, um in in your in your talks with these other people i, I I'm curious like what is the the biggest thing that you've learned? Um, maybe that's helped you with your own sort of um, journey and trauma. I, I, I would put it this way. Pretty much every one of us who having to go through something like this are having to go back and draw on a lesson that I learned and I presume they learned back in around the first grade. And you remember, stop, look, listen. Just stop what you're doing. Pay attention to what your wife is trying to tell you or trying to, or or, or needing, and listen. And just learning, I have not been an attentive listener much of my life. Uh, that was just a very important lesson that I've had to learn. And uh, a lot of other people that I've talked with have had to learn as they're dealing with this situation, because in normal human conversations, you're talking, I'm talking, we get, we're, we're back and forth. We think we're listening, but we're not listening and, and whatever else, but it just really has to, uh, I really had to stop and pay attention. And uh, and then try to make some decision about what was needed or what Martha wanted to do or the like, and um, and it's just not 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 an easy thing to do. Does that resonate with you, Grandpa? Abs- like uh, absolutely, yeah. I think it. Uh, you know, I think uh, when you're young, you you're more like you know you're. All, more into your own situation and i think maturity helps you to 
have more, I guess it's compassion for other people and what their thoughts are. Yeah. I think that that's part of, part of maturity. But like I know, I do some engineering of audio and like now I've got a lot of knobs and buttons and everything. And sometimes I can't remember which button does what. And, uh, I walked in the other ro- in the room to get myself a drink and I forgot about coming back in here. So I don't know. I, but, um, you know, I, I wonder, you know, I think with age, we all lose, maybe not everyone, but, but I know that I've lost a little sharpness in my memory. I guess what yeah. I'm kind of saying. Yeah. I, I, I try to remember somebody's name and, uh, it just, it come up later after I've seen the person they're long gone. It's, oh, that's, that's, that's her name or his name. But, um, yeah, it, um, it just, uh, you, uh, did, uh, the, did you guys get tested for this gene? You said you were saying that there was a test or something that your wife did. Have you done it yourself? Uh, no, I did not get tested and our, our children have not gotten tested. And, um, there, there, there's a, uh, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, Brandon. Uh, if, if they're healthy and, uh, they find, Oh, I've got the gene. Then suddenly this sense of gloom, this sense of fear begins to descend on you. And, and um, so each person just has to make up their mind as to whether they want to go through that kind of testing while they're, healthy and, and, and the like. And, uh, our children are showing no signs of it at this point. They, they've ranged from 42 up to 47, and the 42 and 45 and 47. And uh, sh- what, what are those signs that you, you're talking about? Well, in terms of, uh, well, with Martha, uh, the year before that she was diagnosed, um, uh, she was running for an open seat in the Florida state legislature. I told you she was involved in politics. She was, this was the biggest example that I remember. Um, she was uh, at a, at an event that was the most important event in this whole campaign with three other, the three other people who were running for this seat. And uh, I've seen Martha in those public settings many times before and she handled the questions just fine, and she, and she was very direct. And she was, uh, if empathy was required, she was empathetic. But in, in this day, uh, this would have been in July of 1996. On this day, Martha had to ask for every question to be repeated, and then when she gave a response her responses were off about 10 to 15 degrees. They just didn't quite make sense. And um, we got home and I said, Martha, what was going on up there? And she said, what are you talking about? I thought everything went just fine. And um, I, uh, I, I, I worked for the, our local newspaper here and found out later, some uh, I hadn't gone to all the meetings that uh, Martha was speaking at. Uh, but talking to some of the reporters who who were covering that race, um, I, I found this out years later. They were coming back in and saying, "What's the deal with Martha Maddox?" Uh, they just 
just Martha wasn't making total sense on on things, and this so this would be a year in advance of um, of, um, uh, of the diagnosis. And it took us a while to get Martha in to get a diagnosis. Um, uh, so it was in um, September of '96 that Martha lost this race um, by 20 votes. And um, uh, that disturbed her a lot, and me too. But uh, in hindsight, I'm glad that she did lose. But it, from from that time until July of '97, uh, we couldn't get Martha in to see the doctor. Finally, she went in to see the doctor in July, and um, uh, she went in by herself to go through the testing and whatever. And so I came home and I said, how did, how did things go? And Martha said, well, the doctor was just taking too long. So I left. <laughs> I said, Oh, <laughs> and, and um, so we got back in in early September uh, for the testing and then heard three weeks later, the results from that testing. I went, I went in with Martha the <laughs> next time just to make sure we, stayed there and um, go through the testing. And um, the, te- the, 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 the testing had, had different kinds of things they were testing for, but would, would say, uh, ask Martha, who was the president of the United States? And being political, you would think she would know exactly who the president was, but she was having to hem and haul and couldn't, couldn't pull up the person's name, asking you to subtract, start at 100 and subtract by 7 and go down as far as you can, 100, 93, 86, uh, 59, uh, and, and go on down like like that. And she wasn't able to do that. Uh, and so there, there were some she, – she wasn't passing those tests real well. Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess this question's for Grandpa and Carlin, but it, like, if you could go back to that time, like before these diagnoses or having dealt with all this stuff, like, what advice would you give to um, your younger selves? That's that, that's interesting. I have um, written two or three posts of. What would I at, um, I'm 77 now and I'm working on one now. What would I at 77 tell myself at 47? Sure. Um, I haven't gotten real far on that, but, um, and I did it at different ages. Um, I would tell myself now to take time and you're working so hard, Carlin. You're trying to keep this magazine alive. Stop. And just whenever you start feeling stressed, just take some deep breaths. Go take a walk. Uh, just get your mind recollected. Um, uh, spend uh, uh, somehow you've got to work out spending more time with your children. Uh, on the weekends, particularly nights, um, uh, the um, spend more time. Take take Martha out 
on dates more frequently. Uh, in, in other words, um, if you were talking in religious terms, Brandon, take a Sabbath, take a break, um, uh, just uh, and uh, and if you if you if you haven't learned about meditation by that age in your life, Carlin, uh, learn about it. But it was pretty foreign when I was growing up, and where I, I grew up in Tennessee, and nobody ever heard of meditation. But it's just very important to learn to relax when things are, get really tense, when when fear begins to seep in, into you. It's just really important to back away from those things and uh, <coughs> give yourself some space. And I so those are I'm, those are some of the things I I, I I confer with you, Carlin, and I would also say based. Uh, partly what you said before stop look and listen to be a good listener to learn to listen and really listen to what someone else is saying if you care about about them absolutely not trying to don't try to correct them or just right hear what they're saying and that's we, we all think we you, know that you know that's real art we're all individuals and, it, uh, and we all think that we know you know what's what but other people have good ideas too. <laughs> um, it, it sounds like this really, well, one, it sounds like you're very career oriented, right? In, in I was, I'm retired at this point. Yeah. 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 Grandpa, grandpa was as well. Um, and uh, it sounds like maybe this, uh, shifted your priorities or maybe gave you more clarity on like what is actually important in life. I think that might be a good lesson. That, uh, that, that, that would be an excellent lesson. But uh, as we all know, that, that is a lot easier to say than to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. um, because <clears throat> it's, it's almost like, I didn't know I need this stuff until I got hit between the eyes by a bat and it just boom. And, um, and that, that brought me to a screeching, screeching halt. Um, I mean, I had to continue with our, the publishing business because this was our livelihood. I had to keep making, uh, bringing in some money and, um, that was important. Uh, otherwise, it would be adding even more stress. But um, yes, you forget what what's important to you in life. Um, I've had some problems with my uh, internet and TV and uh, and uh, Wi Fi service. And yesterday, everything went out totally. Couldn't make a phone call. Couldn't watch TV. Couldn't do the internet or anything. And we live in that world now. And when you, when it's all taken away, you're like really, you're really baffled by it all. My wife started reading a book, which she hasn't done for a while, but uh, fortunately it came back on. Well, it, 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 maybe, maybe karma is out there telling us something, Barton, that you, you just need to be quiet and still there for a while. <laughs> yeah, well, the, disconnect from the world. The creator's mind <laughs> is uh, always running the show. Yeah. So that's that's our, our story, Brandon. I don't know uh, 
totally what else we need to cover here. I mean, there's there's a lot more, but uh, that ju- that's we only have a few minutes left, um, and uh, we always do last thoughts on the show. So maybe that could be a good way to sort of um, wrap things up. Unless you had anything else you wanted to tackle before we do that. <clears throat> well, I, w- one of the things that I did with our children. I began to keep a journal almost from the beginning, not because of spiritual reasons, but because I had so much information coming at me from so many different angles. I just, I had to just write it down and get it down so I could refer back to it. And I wound, uh, after, after a decade, uh, when Martha moved into the nursing home, I stopped writing, but I had 14 volumes of this journal. Um, but what I would do is uh, when it I felt like it was something important for the children to know, I would make copies out of those pages and just mail it to them. They were still in college, and um, and my daughter here uh, just give her a copy of it. That really helped them keep up with where my head was, just in terms of communicating with them, because uh, it's really important that I was not in this by myself. Uh, the, the children were the my besides Martha, but the children were, were my first order of business, and they needed to know where I was. My head was what I was thinking, what we were trying, what, where we were going to go, and the like. And um, so I, I would just uh, tell someone who's in this kind of a situation to make sure that you're communicating as clearly as you know how to your loved ones around you as to what's going on. Because I've, I've read about enough situations where <clears throat> that is not happening and it causes all kinds of uh, grief and stress within, within that kind of, within that whole uh, scene, with that, uh, within that whole scene. So th- that, that's, that's what comes to mind here at the last, I think. And would you say that loved ones, family and such is is that the most important thing coming out of this experience uh, i would say the family is uh the most important thing i would tell you that out of out of my religious heritage that learning what faith is and i thought i knew what faith is but uh, i didn't uh, learning how to trust something that uh, is beyond me and um and I had enough situations that uh, that uh, seemed to help me get through that. Um, uh, so the family and trusting uh, my God to help us get through was just really important. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. What about you, Finus? What are you thinking about right now? Oh, but it says this is what he said. It just said the thing forgiveness, rest, and listen. Oh, yeah, you see that? Boom, that's you, brother. Um, uh, is that is that me? That's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, it, I uh, just appreciate listening and, and just hearing. Um, just, I think that. I love this show because it's doing exactly what I want, which is letting people hear 
um, these stories and they get affected by them. Like, we, you know, like, how I'll, I'll, I'll put um, I ultimately want people to treat people that have any type of illness with the same respect in like they, like everyone deserves. And I think a good way to do that is by letting people that have been affected by it or live that life to be able to speak and have a platform for it. So kudos to, to us and kudos to Claren for being out here. I appreciate you. Um, so that's my words of, uh, that's my final words tonight. Thank you. Uh, grandpa. Uh, my, my shallowness. I like your hair growing back. <laughs> or or lack thereof. You're talking to me. Is, is is that a change? Yeah, I, I I I did get something out of your program, and and many things that you said I related to, and uh, the idea of stop, look, and listen. Yeah, I, it's an important. Yeah. You know, you forget that, but that's what we were taught as children. And very enjoyable yeah. listening to you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, for me, Carlin, um, well, I think we plan. I think this might be the longest time period since a planning of an episode to actually having it come to fruition. So I'm very happy that we <laughs> made this happen after so long because um, it was a really beautiful episode. Okay. And uh, I'm just really uh, uh, grateful. It made, it made me very emotional um, hearing the story. So, and I think it, it can really help people. Um, if you could tell everybody, and it will be in the show notes, where to find your book one more time, where to find all of your uh, your TikToks, I'm sure that you have, all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not a big social uh, media kind of guy. The book is, um, it, 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 it can be digital or a hard copy on Amazon. And uh, you can Google some other online uh, bookstores and uh We'll find it there. That's that's uh, the main place to go for that. Again, um, my blog is um, is and it's on my website at Carlin Maddox C A R L E N M A D D U X dot com. And uh, people misspell. I spell my name because people misspell my name a lot, and um, I've been called Carlene and Carolyn and. Carlin, darling, and whatever else. And so I, I have to um, have to uh, spell the name so pe- people can find find it. Awesome. CarlinMaddox.com. Thank you so much for coming, Carlin. Really appreciate and it. And happy holidays Love to everybody. Time. Happy holiday. Yeah. Final episode of the year, 2022. Okay. Really appreciate it. Merry um, Christmas. Love, love you guys. You. Yeah. Yeah. Have a happy year. Podcasting with Grandpa and Rosie Always on his shoulder This is Grandpa and Chill Grandpa and Chill is brought to you by your hosts Brandon Fox, Bart Frank, and Finus Jackson Our producer is Sierra Doss To watch and listen to full episodes of the show And follow us on social media Visit GrandpaAndChill.com That's Grandpa, A-N-D, Chill dot com.